Welcome again to It Doesn't Take a Genius, conversation with introspective perspectives and pithy points of view. Here are your hosts, my friends, Max and Marty. I think that's Mark and Mike. Yeah, whatever. Ramsey! Marshall. I believe that this is the point in the show where I say, and now for something completely different. Yes, we thought we'd show you something that quite possibly uh, you'd never seen before. So uh, (laughs) turn your attention to the screen and check this out. This is The Lockpicking Lawyer, and back in video number 970, I showed you the inexcusable design flaw in this Brinks 50mm laminated padlock. On the surface, it looks like a reasonable product. We have a steel lock body, a boron alloy shackle, and a core that is filled with security pins. Unfortunately, Brinks failed to shield the back of that core, allowing us to reach through it with a tool like this and bypass the mechanism. Since that video, I've received a lot of inquiries by both comment and email as to whether this lock's 60mm Big Brother was also vulnerable. So earlier today, I bought one at my local Home Depot, and I'm sorry to report that the answer is yes. Folks, this is something that could be avoided easily by a competent lock designer, and I remain baffled how such a textbook design flaw remains on the shelves of a major retailer. In any case, that's all I have for you today. If you do have any questions or comments about this, please put them below. If you like this video and would like to see more like it, please subscribe. And as always, have a nice day. Thank you. What the heck was that? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> the uh, That, my friend, is the lock-picking lawyer. Uh, and his videos continue as I continue to talk. The So the lock-picking lawyer, uh, he's a YouTube sensation. Can't believe you're not familiar with me. <laughs> of course. I... Listen, Mike Marshall, I've known you long enough. I feel like there's about 20 different YouTube sensations that you've said, hey, do you know about this guy? Uh, so this is the latest. I I thought that behind you was uh, some sort of government seal with Hebrew letters. No, it's actually uh, a symbol for the lockpicking lawyer with, instead of Hebrew characters, it's actually various lockpicks down below. And, um, and I'm stunned. And you said he's a sensation. So let me just go ahead and ask, uh, how many subscribers, how many likes give, give me an idea of what, what we're talking about here. Well, that, uh, one minute and 15 second video has only been viewed 320,000 times. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's a year old. <laughs> so the, uh, and uh, the Lockpicking Lawyer channel uh, is uh, got 3.6 million subscribers at this point. Sweet gravy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so so I became fascinated with the Lockpicking Lawyer. I have no idea how, uh, right? I had not, you know, led a, a life of crime. I had no, no, no entries, you know, the, no entries, you know, illegal entries I was trying to make. So, but somehow I came across this thing and it's just fascinating. So every day, he uploads a video. It's you know two minutes, three minutes is the longest. And now you judge the lock he's going to pick by the length of the video, right? If you see the video yeah. is going to be three minutes long, you're like, oh, this lock must be tough, you know. And then he'll get in there and open it. And, and like in this case, he picked two locks, 
um, in a minute and 15 seconds. And these are very pricey, very common locks, like he usually buys them at the Home Depot. And so I got fascinated. Okay, how did I get attracted to this? You know, how did I how did I become part of the 3.6 million subscribers? It, it, okay, so before you answer that question, I I feel like just for the sake of anybody listening who's still trying to grab a hold of the avalanche that you've just unleashed. Uh, why does he do this? Why is a lawyer picking locks on camera? Why, why is he engaging in uh, uh, behavior that would help a criminal? Well, in the beginning, yeah, yeah he got a lot of uh, feedback on this, that, that he was helping criminals. And, yeah. and he's clearly stated, right, his, his vision, his mission, his purpose, his why is, is that, that criminals already know these things. People who didn't know these things were the general public who were going into Home Depot and they were going to their 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 local stores and buying these things, falsely believing uh, that they were protected, that they were spending their money in a good way. Uh, so this is a crusade. Yeah, yeah. He's on a mission uh, to educate the public and at the same time embarrass uh, the <laughs> companies that make locks <laughs> and just point out to them and. And it's interesting because he has gotten cease and desist letters and he's actually a lawyer. So his full-time day job is you know, he's a law guy. So they send him, you know, these letters threatening him, which he laughs heartily at <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because a, there's no grounds for, uh, for, you know, there's no defamation. He's simply showing this is the product and this is you know, how it works. It doesn't work very well. <laughs> and here's what's good. And here's what's bad about it. So, so over the years, right, they've tried to sue him out of you know existence and give him cease and desist letters and stuff like that. But his crusade, in some cases, you've got lock companies who now send him their product before it goes on the market and say, oh. and say, hey, we think we got something here. Mm -hmm. Take a crack at it. Uh, you know, and so he's he's not a paid endorser of any of these products. And he gets that quite a bit, like the tribe is always asking him, all right, so. So tell us which one we should buy. And he never does that. He just points out, here's the pros and cons of this. And you can make oh. your own decision. So, so his crusade is to improve security of, of people and to increase the value of what it is that they are spending their money on. And, and I'll take a wild guess that should someone need legal advice, they might consider, you know, looking at his professional website and, and seeing it and so on. I mean, having a million people looking at you, having 3 million people looking at you on a regular basis might have you come into their, to, into, uh, you know, their minds when it's time to go shopping. Um, well, well, but that's not his purpose. Right, right. It's not his purpose. And here's what's completely fascinating. Nobody knows who he is. Oh, you're kidding me. He has, he, when he first started out, his goal was he was on this crusade, but at the same time, he didn't want to attract unnecessary attention to his, his law firm or his law practice. Wow. And so you, you, all you ever see is his hands. You never see his face. If it's, it's funny because people will send him very shiny mirror, you know, mirror, you know, chrome locks, hoping, <laughs> hoping to, you know, get a glimpse, right? Like, hey, I got this lock, you know, try and pick it, right? It's, it's just a mirror, you know, that they've polished. So, um, so yeah, he talks about this. His goal is not fame and fortune for another purpose. It's, this is the crusade. Just for this. This is my thing that I'm working on. And he does appearances and things like that, but he has a strict, you know, they confiscate all the phones before he speaks and things like that. So, 
um oh. yeah nobody knows yeah wow who, who he is exactly okay well so i i brought a little show and tell item myself before we go there i feel morally obligated for your sake to hold up a book this is seth godin's tribes i know uh seth godin is uh, uh near and dear to your heart and this book really really speaks to what you just showed i think um the the subtitle of tribes is we need you to lead us and uh do you want to speak uh, we, we've talked about tribes a few times for those who haven't heard um do you want to speak to just a, a real basic understanding of of what we mean by tribe well, yeah, when you think of tribes, a lot of people think that the pinnacle of, of group collaboration, of, of group performance is a team. And, and yeah, we wanted to see high-performing teams, and we've talked about it, and we want to build teams and all that. But what Seth taught us was that it, it was tribes was a level above that. Mm. So tribes, a, a team, a lot of times comes together for a finite thing, right? We want to win a championship. We want to you know, launch a product, we want to do this, but a, but a tribe is a much longer endeavor. Tribes can last hundreds and hundreds of years. And mm. so there's this, there's this infinity mindset to a tribe. A tribe transcends its leadership. So very often you'll see a team and the team is dependent upon a, a, a key leader and a couple of key team members. When you have a tribe, the, the, the mission of the tribe, the, the, the why of the tribe is so strong that it transcends multiple leadership changes. It, you know, whole generations change. Mm. And yet the, the, the tribe continues to, to march forward. And, and you've got these people on a common cause, a common purpose, a common goal. And, and it's, it's, it's infinite in nature. I love that. And it makes you think of uh, Cynic's uh, The Infinite Game. Uh, people that have this long-term view of, of what they're trying to accomplish. Um, and there's got to be some passion behind that. There's, there's a why. Uh, so, so this, this gentleman, this lawyer, alleged, alleged, I might add. Yes, uh, nobody knows. No, okay. So, so we have a lawyer who has some passion around improving security. And uh, so he's, he's got a tribe around him. Uh, participating in that just just fascinating so um so yeah you're you're uh you know the, the point of this episode is you know how do you communicate how do you message your tribe and and build that tribe um let me throw in my example and then we can talk about a, a couple principles behind it i have a youtube channel uh that that i've been following and it's somebody i know uh i, I met him at a car dealership um and he has since gone out on his own and has a, uh, a successful parts business. Well, when I met him, he was uh, sort of the, the performance sales person, uh, sales manager, you know, sort of a dual role uh, for a particular dealership. And because of his efforts, they became the largest Roush racing dealer in the world. Um, literally every, uh, every country. Um, when you looked out on their lot, you know, there was just, it was like looking at jelly beans, you know, just, just every color and hue of every kind of, uh, you know, uh, Roush, you know, stage one, stage two, stage three, Mustangs, uh, Raptors, you know, just this, this lot was just a sea of beautiful little, little sports cars. And, um, he built that tribe. Um, you know, he would, he would take overseas orders. And, and the way he did it was he 
was nerdy about this, if I can uh, say that. We'll, we'll uh, link to his most recent venture in our show notes. Um, but these are not short videos. You know, these were longer videos where, you know, a new stage three would come out and he would, you know, get an early, uh, you know, model and would do a walk around video. And it might be 10 to 15 minutes long. And, uh, you know, the, the fans of Roush and the fans of, of racing in general would watch these videos and he would just get down and show you little things, little features. Um, and so these videos would go on and on and he would kind of, you know, nerd out about it, geek out about it. Um, and he built this following as a result, so much so that even when he, he left and started doing some other things directly for Roush and then um, having this uh, parts and service business, he brought that following with him. So, um, you know, it's, it's not in the millions, uh, but he has tens of thousands of subscribers to his personal channel uh, on YouTube to this day. Um, and, uh, and the successful uh, parts business that has, I, I forget, every time I talk to him, you know, it's multiplied by another factor and it's, it's outgrown its location several times, uh, just an extreme, extreme amount of business because he found the people that really cared about the kind of stuff that he cared about. And he was able to help them learn, help them educate um, about something that they both uh, were passionate about. So there's, there's my example. Um, what are some principles here? You know, what, there, there are some things going on here that I think are very similar despite the very different nature of these videos. Well, I think you're right. So, so we got on this topic because uh, after watching, you know, a thousand lockpicking lawyer videos, uh, I ran across this speech that the lockpicking lawyer gave at a conference uh, on, uh, actually it was on uh, technical security, on software security. Uh, he was uh -huh. asked to speak, right? What are the correlations between physical and, and technological software security? So, it, but he was talking about how he built his tribe. And he, he said, one of the things, that, the mistakes he made at the beginning was, was his videos were, were 10 to 15 minutes long. And he would explain a lot of detail. And, and he said, he figured out that, okay, people aren't interested in that. They wanted shorter, right? And so, so he, he had to reduce the barrier to entry mm -hmm. uh, is what he called it. So, so in order to get people engaged, he had to make the first step so small, right? I, I can't commit to a 15 minute video, but I can commit to a minute and 15 second video uh, just to see, okay, is this worth my while? And so, so is yeah. this, you know, how do I get you engaged? I, I make it easy for you to get engaged. I make it low cost, uh, right? The, there's very little you have to do in order to, uh, to, to initially get into the tribe, you will eventually spend more time, <laughs> you know, if you watch yeah. a thousand one minute videos, or you watch, you know, five of his 15 minute videos, right, you're, you actually engage more, but he made that, that, that first step incredibly simple, incredibly easy, that it was almost, you know, impossible to say no to. Yeah, and it's interesting, because it's, you know, it's, it's just not a commercial, right? I mean, it's, it's just right down to, you know, here's, here's what it is. Here's the latest lock and, uh, and picks it. John Trishler, my, my uh, uh, friend is, is more of a, you know, um, it's all content, but it is longer because that's what the people are looking for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is the barrier to entry low? Yes, there's no fluff. It's just him, you know, standing in a service lane, going over this vehicle, et cetera. Um, but it's, but it's exactly, you know, that is what people were looking for. And so he gets right down to brass tacks. I, I would say that that's a, that's a common, common point for both videos. 
Oh yeah, yeah, and and, and that was the the second point that the lock picking lawyer made was was that at some point he started doing really obscure, strange locks. You know, he'd get a, a lock from Austria that was only made for one year, he, you know, and had the strange key and he'd open it and, and explain it and stuff like that. And he figured out mm, nobody cared. Uh, <laughs> he cared. He was a big lock nerd. Uh, yep. You know, and he was very excited about it. And the other three lock nerds in the world were all subscribers, uh, but nobody else was 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 interested. And so what he figured out was people were very interested in the stuff, as he references in the video that we watch, that they could go and buy today. And they were most likely, it was probably, you know, he, he does a you know quick set, schleg, a lot of these locks that are probably on your front door. And, sure. and, and so now that it, it literally came to my home and, and then he discovered this was what people were interested in. This is what was important to them. So that that really does speak to uh how low the barrier of entry had to be for him because you know i've told you this many times mike sometimes you share you know this new youtube sensation with me and i'm like who watches that who cares i can't imagine a scenario where i would go you know what i wonder if this padlock's any good i'll go watch a video on it but there's one sliver of the uh, customer base who really cares about that. And that is people who are literally standing at Lowe's or Home Depot going, which of these do I buy? Uh, let's check Google and just see if I can. Oh, there's a video. Okay. Oh, wow. Holy crap. That was easy to pick. And, okay. So that guy's hooked, right? You know, he the, the barrier of entry was literally, you have to have the model of that lock that I'm looking at. Do you have a video? Is it under two minutes sure i'll watch it that's that's all he can handle that that makes a ton of sense and i think that's actually true that's true in a uh physical sense with the customer experience as well right and it just dawned on me i'm i, I have this um cup purdy's coffee company oh, yeah. uh, that i'm holding in my hands my local coffee shop that i love well, you know, I didn't love it day one, right? I, I came in just to check them out and get some coffee, realized it was pretty good coffee. I started being a little bit regular there. Maybe once a week, I would work out of their, um, their store uh, uh, in the morning with my computer. And um, they, they recognized that I was interested in learning more about coffee. And so they said, hey, have you ever had pour over? We, we have this Chemex and they, you know, held up this weird hourglass shaped, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? A carafe, I guess. And, um, and, and made me some Chemex and, and let me stand there and learn a little bit. Um, they didn't do that day one. You know, they didn't walk in and, and you know, act like I was going to know what Chemex was and ask me, you know, what kind of uh, bean did I want ground for it? And, you know, uh, they didn't use a bunch of coffee terms. But once they learned about me, they said, hey, check this out what do you think? Um, and it was literally at that point, probably uh, the mm, at least the second best cup of coffee I'd ever had in my life at that point. So, you know, kind of hooked at that point. I was part of the tribe. I bought the mug. But day one, I didn't do that. Not even day 10 did I do that. Um, they, they, they made the barrier to entry low for me to get excited about really good coffee. Right, right. Yeah, it started, you know, that's how it is. Anyway. Just try one cup. Right. <laughs> just, just half a cup and then we got you. Right. And same same with the, the lock picking lawyer. He does have he does have a website where you can buy some of the tools to pick locks. 
and their tools that hilarious he right so yeah if you go to covertinstruments.com uh, right which which I, I may have actually purchased some stuff uh, of course you so, did so so yeah the exact same scenario right i watched some videos i got interested i thought i wonder if i could do that right so i sent away got some stuff found some locks laying around the house i've been working on them i got about half of them open at this point you know so but the commitment Right, the additional purchase, the commitment didn't come yeah. until until you know, like I I kind of got me hooked on it. Right, till I till I was I joined the tribe and was 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 in a full fledged member, but I was definitely moving in the right direction. It's amazing. Well, okay. so this applies to literally anybody. Uh, this mm -hmm. is anybody who wants a customer, wants a customer base. Anybody who wants uh, an employee, a, a, a really loyal, uh, you know, a, a patriot, as we've talked about, you know, not a mercenary, but a true patriot, somebody who's part of the tribe and uh, really, you know, uh, wants, wants what's best for the organization because they believe in it and have some passion around it, see the long game. All of that applies. There, there are ways to do this where you're making the barrier of entry low in learning about your organization for a customer or an employee. And, and getting people excited of, uh, about, uh, you know, what they actually care about. You know, they, they'd have to come join the tribe. Um, so this is really interesting stuff, Mike. Any, anything else as we are wrapping up? Well, I think, yeah, just, yeah, just the, the, the three main points, right? Have a, a very clear why, a purpose, a cause. Uh, the, uh, make the barrier to entry low. And make sure you're talking about what's important to not yourself, but the other people. Yeah, love that. I think that I think that's it. Whether it's like you said, perfectly said, like whether it's an employee group or a customer group, this is how you build your tribe. Yeah, and, and I I will you know I can't help myself sometimes, but a, a wrap up thought. This is a millennia old concept. Um, the the ancient Greeks talked about the sophists, who were the wise people that sort of were. Uh, traveling salesman teachers, and they would teach you how to, you know, uh, stoke emotion. And, and, uh, for, and, and I think people like Socrates would have said, these are really dangerous guys. You know, all they're doing is, uh, you know, manipulating and teaching you to manipulate. And it was sort of a power-based system in a way. You know, if you knew the secret knowledge, you could whip up passions of people in your local town toward, you know, your political cause or what have you. The flip side was, true rhetoric you know nowadays we hear rhetoric and we think uh you know bad politicians well that's more sophistry those are the sophists uh that the, the wise men that that pretended to be wise and traveled around teaching their methods but but rhetoric was more about uh the the good man skilled at words you know somebody who who wanted to enlist your help in a good cause and uh, maybe even thought it was what was best for you uh, so it was more about truth or even might even say love and I would argue that most of our clients are in the same boat, right? Most of our listeners probably are too. There are things they care about that are for good reasons. And this is about getting people on board with that. So this is really about good rhetoric and, and not about, um, you know, the manipulation. That's what's so cool about this. So anyway, we, we hope this episode is helpful to you. Uh, you know who's been helpful to me, Mike Marshall? Who? Uh, a gentleman who has a long career as a DJ and voiceover artist, and also happens to be one of our colleagues, uh, an esteemed facilitator and coach himself, Mr. John Wolf. Oh, yeah. He was always effusive in his praise. 
And that, I guess, is that. It doesn't take a genius. No rights reserved, nothing trademarked, copyrighted, or even original. Feel free to give it to anyone, anytime, using any and all media formats. Warning, Mark and Mike may or may not make another one. I'm your announcer, and I did not get paid a nickel to do this. They won't even let me tell you my name. So, until next time, if there is a next time, stay safe, be well. That's good enough.